All right, Heather. A through Z. Um, T. T, what the fuck starts with T? Nothing. <laughs> there are no words in the English language that start with T. Ignore the ones I None. just said. <laughs> None start with T. None. Maybe T is just like, spill the tea of whatever news you have. No, that's too close to the fact that I've got hot tea next to me. I don't want to spill it. I want to drink it. I don't understand the expression spilling the tea. I'd much rather drink the tea. Why do people want to spill it? It's a delicious hot beverage or cold beverage. It's a delicious beverage. Why are people willy-nilly just running around spilling tea? I don't get it and I don't like it. So we will never be using that expression on this podcast. Never. Ever again. Got it. Um, I mean, there are a few things that start with T. I just don't know if they're really like podcast friendly or this podcast friendly. I mean, we could talk about the the congressional hearing into TikTok. We could talk about the uh, Tennessee state government expelling three of their members. Or I'm sorry, expelling two of their members and not expelling one of them by one person. And it being incredibly odd that, you know, it's uh, the two black men are the one expelled and the white woman's not. Yeah. Very weird. Um, But they're probably like, but it's a woman. So. No. Well, the funny thing is, is they actually can still come back. Like they were expelled. So essentially their seat gets, uh, depending on the county's rules, will get like a temporary seat. Which in Nashville, which is one of them, he might just get be the temporary assignee to it. And then they go back up for re-election. There's nothing barring them from running again. So there's a very good chance both of these young men might be able to, I don't know, do it again. As a big just fuck you to all uh-huh. of them. I totally get it. Uh, let's see, what else? Um... I'm pretty excited about the uh, Apple TV musical Schmigadoon season two started. I'm excited about that. Yep. I am excited to start watching that. The first season was really good. And, and the world the theme of this can one thank me for that. Because I think oh, I yeah. was the first person I know that watched it. <laughs> and was like, hey, everybody, yeah. you should watch Schmigadoon. It's really good. And that's why they have a season two. That right there. Yeah. And two starts with a T. Um, Ted Lasso season three is going. That's a thing. Um, I'm very tired yeah. right now. If you can tell by my eyes being more like bagged under than normal. Uh, that's a thing. So that's a, that's another one. Um, that's all the T stuff I got. I think that's a good amount of teas. I appreciated those. Uh, the information given to me. So I, I found out today, and, and this could have been common knowledge before, I don't know, or maybe people just didn't realize this. Uh, do you remember when they did that 30-year anniversary of Woodstock in 1999? Yeah. And it went very poorly, like mm-hmm. people died and yep, yeah, all that stuff. James Brown was the first act. 
Really? Yeah, it's mainly known for like Limp Biscuit and Corn and Metallica and Red Hot Chili Peppers and Insane Clown Posse, like all the crazy shit. James James Brown's the one that started it. Was the was the opening act of that show? I don't remember that. Yeah. I don't think I don't think anybody does. Interesting. Um, what else? I don't know. That's all I got, really. I I I did not plan this out that well today. Not that I can plan it out any like that much better, because I give you guys now twenty six options of things to choose from, uh, <laughs> and I try to match yeah. my thing with what you guys say outside of the or like first six letters or whatever it is. Uh, Yeah, I got nothing. I've got nothing. Um, yeah. No, I do. I mean, I do have a question that sort of, well, definitely relates to the topic of our movie today. And my question for you is, are you a D&D player? I have played it. Uh, I have played it. I wouldn't be opposed to playing it again. Um, but I, I am a big fan of watching people play D and D. I don't, I don't necessarily play it myself. Um, like I said, I have played it. I would play it again, I suppose. Um, but I do love watching people play it. I think that's incredibly fascinating, especially like when they're really good players or you've got like a really good GM or DM. Um, yeah, that can be very fun. I, I very much enjoy that. Uh, I think I would be a better D and D player now having watched like good people play the game, you know, more like what to do and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, I'd probably still make a bunch of dumb mistakes and I'd probably still make a bunch of, uh, dumb things. Like I try to do dumb things. Um, but that's just kind of how I play. Uh, I, I, but I am fascinated with the idea of D&D and the lore of D&D and a lot of that stuff. I do have a version of Clue that is D&D-themed Clue. That's pretty cool, actually. Uh, and the characters, you know, like, instead of it being, like, Colonel Mustard and this and that, like, it's different characters. And they have uh, they have special abilities because it's, like, mm-hmm. more akin to, to D&D. So. yeah. That's a that's a Pretty fun cool. little game. Um, yeah, that's all I got right now. As yeah, I mean, that. I've I mean I've definitely heard of you know D and D and people playing it and stuff. I've never played it, and Shocking. really, <laughs> I thought yeah. you would have been the biggest D and D nerd of the podcast. Yes, for sure. Yeah, um, but like, and and the funny thing is too. My my most like deep dive, if you will, into the lore of it was honestly Stranger Things season four, which doesn't really go into the lore of it, but just that as much as they talk about it and actually seeing them play the game and whatever, and I guess maybe just all of Stranger Things because they play D and D like the other seasons too. But I was about to say, what about seasons like one through three when they're constantly yeah. referencing D and D? That's fair. But just because they had, you know, like the bad guy, the main bad guy is a D&D character and stuff like that. But I just, I didn't well, know. Named after a D&D character. 
or yeah, named after. But at the same time, all of them are. The Demigorgon is. The Mind Flayer is. True. Those are creatures in D and D. Yeah, that's fair. I forgot about that for some reason. But yeah, so before that show, like I, I didn't know really anything about Dungeons and Dragons as far as like what's in them or how you even play or anything. Um, I like I how you just said what's what in them. Like what's in what? What's in the game? Like oh. that there's the the monsters and the, you know, all those things. I thought you were talking um, about like in the box or something. And I'm like, it's not that type of game. <laughs> um, I was going to break your heart a little bit. No, no. I just mean like what what types of, you know, characters or monsters or creatures are in the game at all. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, that was kind of my first really kind of knowledge or insight into anything related to it other than just hearing the name D&D, uh, Dungeons and Dragons. But it it's just interesting too. I know we'll go into it with the, with what we talk about today, but just the difference of like, what Dungeons and Dragons is like in this movie versus <laughs> Stranger Things. Like just the whole feel of it is completely different. So it just, I don't know. It just seems like a lot more of like a fun kind of game now. We will get more into this later. Um, but I do think that that's one of the biggest misconceptions about D&D is it is unbelievably silly. It is a silly, silly game. Yeah. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I, I just mean that it it can be bonkers. It can also be very emotional and very serious and all these other things, but it can also be just downright silly. Yeah. You know, and... I think that that's kind of one of the things that's kind of lost on people is that it's not as much as it can be about the monsters and the fighting and the magic and all that shit. It's more about the people playing it. Like that is what D and D is the most about. And if you've got a bunch of silly people, you're going to get a silly game. I mean, yeah, it's what it is, you know, and there's like a reason why, like, you know, the, there's always like surprising people that like are big into D and D. Like, people are surprised that like Vin Diesel, super into D and D. Joe Ming uh, Minglanello, I probably butchered his name. Um, no, super into D and D. That guy hosts like celebrity D and D games. He has a custom. <laughs> nice. D&D table at his house. Um, it's like a big, like, custom-made wooden and acrylic table to play on with other celebrities. Uh, you know, uh, then even in this, like, that was one of those things that, like, one of the things getting ready for this movie, and this isn't a spoiler or anything, like, the whole cast, like, sat down and played D&D. With uh, one nice. of the directors being the 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 DM for that game, and you know, so that's it's, pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's so it's one of those things that that's it really is 
the people around you make the game what it is. If you're a bunch of serious people, you're going to have a very serious game. If you're a bunch of just silly asshats, you're just going to have a silly, stupid game. And that's fine as long as that's what you want, you know. And there's infinite ways to, like, customize it, too. Like, there are some campaigns and people that, you know, you're not, like, it's D&D and they're playing it based on D&D's rules and all this other stuff. But the campaign's in outer space. And it's spaceships and robots and, you know, all that shit. So, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing about it is it is what you make it. And I think that that says a lot about what we're going to talk about tonight with it. Because yeah, I think that that's what surprised people in this. So, we'll discuss it. I wonder if Justin's cool. ever played D&D. Yeah, I'm curious. No, I don't think actually. he has. But see, like, yeah. I think he owes people money today. No, no, because he was on the last one. It was just for the last one. Okay, okay. It's not every time. Yes, it's not every time he misses one. It's just if he starts missing too many in a row, then he has to pay the Cinefans. <laughs> uh, but no, yeah, I never I never completely got into d and When I was younger, I got into Magic first, Magic the Gathering, which... They are kind of sister things now, you know. They're owned by the same company. Uh, they've had D&D. They've had like a D&D set in Magic, you know, where like the creatures and the spells and the artifacts and a lot of that stuff were from D&D. Um, they even share some locations uh, and stuff like that, so... Yeah, I mean... Hmm, that's cool. That wasn't my favorite of sets for Magic, just because for it being D&D heavy, they had very little goblins in it. Or not as good of goblins as I would have wanted. They have they did have Den of the Bugbear, which is a land that's very useful in a goblin deck. I don't run it personally, because it doesn't fit my style of goblin deck. But Den of the Bugbear is a very... It's a very good goblin land card. If anybody doesn't know, a bugbear is a goblin. So I know it doesn't sound like it because it's a bugbear, but a bugbear is a goblin. Okay. It's a type of goblin, I should say. You ready to talk about the movie now? Uh, To actually talk about the movie now? (laughs) Yes. Here we go. Somebody else. Nobody knows anything but you. All right. Are you ready? Yes. Come on. Cinema Slayers. Hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers Podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by just Heather. No, Justin, tonight. And we are going to talk about what we liked and didn't like and everything in between with the movie D&D, or Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. 
we will go spoiler-free recommendations and scores and then into a more spoiler-centric section with time codes in the description to allow you to jump around in the podcast and or YouTube video if you so require. I look so ragged for this YouTube video. <laughs> I apologize, no, YouTube. No, you don't. I apologize, Google or Alphabet <laughs> or the fuck you want to be called. I look so ragged tonight. I'm very tired. I think it shows on my face. My normally very squinty eyes look extra squinty tonight. And I have very deep bags under my eyes. So, which is Mm -hmm. kind of a comment. I don't get a lot of sleep, but... I don't know. I'm just very ragged. Maybe today. you just feel you're tired more today. Oh, I like see it in my eyeballs. Tired, I'm tired looking at my eyeballs on the the computer screen <laughs> right now. They look ragged. My beard wasn't playing well ragged. today. It's a fucking mess. It looks like a bird's nest. <laughs> it does not. My forehead looks exceptionally shiny. It's not that shiny. It's not, I promise. But it looks fairly shiny. Like, my face is just washed the fuck out tonight. I don't know what the deal is. I honestly just thought that it was something with the lighting. It is, but it doesn't help that my face is helping it. (laughs) It doesn't help that your face is helping it. I like that. Yeah, my face is helping me be washed out. Yeah, I look ragged as fuck. Sorry, YouTube. If you cannot stand to look at my face tonight, I totally get it. Just go listen to the audio only. It's fine. You won't offend me. You can jump in the comments and go, thanks for suggesting going to the audio only, Sterling, because you did look ragged. I'd go, yeah, I get it. It's fair. That is a fair assessment of what the fuck (laughs) is going on tonight. Oh boy. I know it typically helps when both you and Jasmine are on because then like my my screen is smaller. So I would have really benefited from Jasmine being here tonight. Because <laughs> I wouldn't have taken so much of the screen. But nope. Jasmine had to let all the Cinefans down and make me slightly <laughs> more prevalent in the video looking wretched. I hope you're happy, Justin. I hope, you know, the WWE calling you and working SmackDown and NXT and both nights of WrestleMania and Raw was worth it. Yeah. I hope it was worth it to all the Cine fans out there, to all the little boys and girls that gather around their computer screens on Thursday mornings to watch our YouTube videos. I hope it was worth it for you, Justin, to disappoint all of them by making my mess of a face bigger tonight. Anyway, Heather, what are your spoiler-free thoughts about D&D? <laughs> um, honestly, I had a lot of fun with this movie. I, I definitely had more fun than I expected to. Uh, Not to say that I thought it was going to be a bad movie, but again, not really having a ton of context about D&D or anything like that. Um, 
you know, I, I just, I was like, okay, might be good. We'll see. But honestly, this was so good. Like I really just enjoyed everything they did with this movie. And it actually, I mean, it kind of a little bit of what we were talking about before. Like, I feel like it encapsulates a lot of the, the fun parts and the magic parts and the fantasy parts all really well in this movie. Um, so I, I just really appreciate the way that it all came together because it made me honestly be like, man, D and D seems like it'd be fun. If this is kind of like a story standard kind of story that you might get from it, I'm in like, this sounds like it, it could be a really fun game. Um, I liked all of the characters. I think they, they really had great characters that really played off of each other. Well, and honestly, there were actually parts of this that were oddly more emotional than I thought too. So I guess that kind of tracks with what you said about how sometimes these games can be emotional. So yeah, there was just moments that were very like heartfelt. And I think that was part of it too. Like this movie had a lot of heart to it as well. And I think that that helps drive this movie working as well as it does with all of the other elements they put into it. So it just, it was a blast. It was a lot of fun. Like it, it just really was um, much more than I expected it to be. But again, I guess with the cast that they had, I shouldn't have necessarily thought that um, I, I enjoyed everybody um, that they put in this movie and I like how the story progressed. I don't feel like it was overly long. Don't feel like it was slow paced or anything like that. They actually had some very genuinely funny moments as well. And yeah, it was just a really good, well done movie. Like from beginning to end, I was just like, this was just a fun ride. Like I just really enjoyed everything about that. I would, I would, yeah, I, I would watch it again. Like it's just a really good movie. Yeah, I think a lot of that's fair. I mean, it, I I really think that they kind of hit the notes they need to hit. It was, it was fairly funny. They, uh, you know, it had some emotional moments to it that I think were necessary. I think they kept some of the things hidden. Uh, I liked the way they played into to the magic of it all and some of the, the lore they. They weren't completely just Easter egg, like name dropping heavy stuff, you know? So I think they did strike a good balance with that whilst also being like true to what people want with it, you know, because if you ever watched the original uh, Dungeons and Dragons movie, it's garbage. It's very bad. I remember hearing that too. Maybe that's why I wasn't that excited for as excited as I should have been for this one. It just has some shit in it. They're like, hey, Dungeons and Dragons, we're going to show a dungeon and we're going to have some dragons. That's all that matters. And like, and with it, like, they try to make it so many things that it's not. There's no cohesiveness. There's no charisma. There's no charm. There's no nothing other than Jeremy Irons overacting every fucking scene he's in. And I'm all for that because Jeremy Irons overacting is better than most people just regular acting. Uh, And so he just chews up every scene he's in. And it's fantastic. It's just, 
he's the only thing that feels like it's doing anything in that entire movie. Uh, this okay. isn't that movie. This one I, does a really good job of things. It, it shows the differences in characters. Like you get to see the difference between a sorcerer and a wizard, and a barbarian and a bard and a druid and yeah. a, a paladin and a rogue. You get to see the differences. They each of the people play into it differently. You know, and that that adds a lot of style and flair to this. It uh, they do so many things practically, which I think helps some aspects of the movie feel a little bit more like uh, based in things. And you know, they just kind of really tried to make it feel like a full fledged world. You know, you just randomly get shots of like. Things like, uh, you know, just characters in the background and all these little things you get to see. One of the directors was talking about that, like, some of the words that are, like, written on, like, doors and all these things that are in, like, D&D languages and stuff like that. Apparently, they're accurate. Like. Really? If it's, if it's like, do not enter, but it's written in another language, it still says do not enter. You know? Hmm. So, they got... You know, really in depth with a lot of those things. I mean, some of that might be to its detriment. While this movie is financially doing fairly well, this was a very expensive movie. And that's what worries me about it. Uh, because I think overall, if you're going to make a D&D movie and you, and you want one to kind of set a tone for what the rest of them can be, I think this is, was a very good effort in doing that. I think that this is the type of movie that might get just enough interest to where if they do a second one, maybe they can even go bigger or bolder or do crazier D&D shit with it because they they set this as the foundation. Yeah. And, I, you know, as much as it gets into lore and, like, all these little things, I think it's very easy to follow. Even if you're not a D&D person, like I think if you're a D&D yeah. person, you might get a little extra out of it with some of the little nods and and things that they have in this. But I think if you're not a D&D person, it's a very easy movie to follow. And I think that that helps it be enjoyable and accessible in a lot of ways to just a lot of things yeah. that I think D&D might like might drive people away because they might not think it's accessible. Whereas this is mm-hmm. a very like accessible movie. And see, that was one thing I was going to be curious about going into this recording because we're coming from different ends of the spectrum here as far as, I guess, what we know about Dungeons and Dragons. So you're right, because I could say from my experience of not knowing D&D and the the lore and how it works and all of that this was easy to follow and it was still a fun adventure for me coming from the outside I have never really not having much knowledge of what D&D is um so I do agree with that and and you're right I do love how each of the characters really played a different part in this and you see the importance of each type of character in it which was really cool yeah I mean, I think that there were some other characters that were in this, I think, that should have been utilized a little more. But I think that they did a very good job of 
really kind of subscribing to the idea of the adventuring party, which is like your D&D thing. It's the yeah. adventuring party. And while you want some variety, you want people that can do this and that and people to have different skills. You know, you might be able to like max out and kill bosses if you've got six paladins going and destroying everything. But then, you know, if you've got a good DM, he's going to put a boss you can't fucking touch. And then your paladins are useless and you're going to wish everything was diversified. And I think that that was a very good way of representing things in this. Mm. By showing that having a variety and having different, you know, types of characters and all this other stuff, how that can add uh, depth and, and, and success and all those things to something like this. Because like, yeah. the, the other one, it's like you've got like two thieves, a mage, which that's also very old hat D&D calling things mages, and uh, like a dwarf and an elf. And like, but they don't do anything that's like crazy anything. You know what I mean? Like, you know, there's nothing very much unique about the dwarf that's like dwarven. And like, they don't really even get into the classes. Like the elf and that would be a ranger. She should be an elven ranger. I think the dwarf, I want to say they're thinking of him as the barbarian. That really doesn't play completely well. And so they just kind of lacklusterly kind of go through things. And they don't really show any any utility in being different in that. And that's kind of the great okay. thing about D&D is there's utility in being different. You know, the different races and different classes and all those things they add, they add things to it because while well, the what's her name's character is a druid in this, she's also a tiefling druid. So while they might not have lent so much into her being a tiefling, there's lots of benefits of being a tiefling or things that can make her different than like an elven druid or some other type of creature being a druid. You know, and this the one thing that they kind of added with her being a tiefling is there's a scene where she uses her tail. To move something. And that's something tieflings mm-hmm. can do if they have a tail. You, they have the prehensile tail and all that stuff. And that's nice, you know, that they added that. But it's one of those things that maybe in a second movie or something like that, they can really go deeper into it of what makes her version of a druid different because she's a tiefling. Um, I don't know if they said what Justice Smith's character was. He's not, he might be just half elf. Um, mm. I think I'm to remember he's something. He's not. He's not human. Well, he's not. He's not completely human. He's, I think, at least half elf because he's got pointy ears. Um, I don't think it said what. What's his name? Zoc or something like that. The. The paladin character. I don't remember oh, yeah. what what he is. But that's oh, neither here nor um, there. He's yeah, a paladin. With a Z. But his, his name starts with an X, I thought. It sounds like a Z, but it starts with an X. Uh, oh, you might be right, actually. But I don't think they said what he was. Uh, he's like Thoracy, I think. But that's a region. It's not what he is. 
um, Simon, who is Justice Smith's character, is a half-elf sorcerer. Yeah. Nailed it. Good job. Most of the characters are human. Like Holga and uh, Edgen and the, uh, yeah, Zink. Zink. Zink, I think it was. Zink, right? yeah. It's X-E-N-K. Yeah, okay. Also, his name's pronounced like Reggie. Reggie, reggae, or something like that. Yeah, it's like Reggie Jean Page or something like that. Yeah, it it blew me. It blew my mind. He sounds so British. When like Americans say his actual name, I'm like, it's nowhere near as fancy. (laughs) Yeah, but I, I I really liked overall the tone and the vibe of this movie. Is it like a perfect movie? No, but it's it's a good fun time. I mean, it's more of a fun yeah. time than any of the fucking superhero movies we've gotten lately. Literally, I had the same thought. I was like, this is a way more fun action adventure film than any that we've seen in the past few months. Yeah. And, you know, it's swords and dragons and shit. Yeah. So, uh, recommendations and scores? Uh, yeah. Recommendations and score. Uh, go. Yeah, I do recommend this because you also, if you're like me, you don't really have any, um, prior knowledge really of the D&D world. And it was still a really fun time for me. So I think that whether you are or not into D&D, you will enjoy this movie. It's a great action adventure film. They have really good characters. I feel like each character gets a chance to kind of shine a little bit and you get a little bit of uh, them being fleshed out in different ways, which is really cool. Uh, You get to see them working together a lot to solve some things and that's really fun to see it unfold. Uh, You get a heartwarming story in there as well about, you know, so many different there's there's a lot of different themes and undertones of this film as well but they do it in a very lighthearted way for the most part you know they they have this lighthearted um fun feel to it um but it it just it, it seems to me like they're really trying to capture the essence of bringing you into this world that uh you know they they've created for us and you know, they, they just really draw you in with that. And, and yeah, I, I just think the story was compelling. I think the characters were even more compelling. And yeah, it just kind of like what I said at the beginning too, like it's oddly an emotional film in some ways that I just didn't expect. But yeah, it's definitely not a flawless film by any means, but none of the things that I would consider a flaw or whatever kept me from enjoying anything about this film. So yeah, I think it's definitely worth watching and I think you're going to have a good time with it. Um, I'm going to give it, hmm, I think I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it 85 um, unexpected Bradley Cooper cameos out of a hundred. Oh, you went there with it. I did. Yeah. I didn't know we were going to drop the BC this early. Hey, listen. 
I do want to know how the fuck he ended up in this. Like, I want to know, did they just <laughs> ask him, like, you know, like, or was he just on the lot or uh, it's just crazy. I know. He's just, he's randomly in it. Um, I think that this, yeah, it's a very fun movie. It's, you know, it's fairly lighthearted. It does hit some more serious emotional beats here and there, but like overall, if you're looking for just a movie to go and have fun with and to just take two hours off and just have a good time and it, this is kind of that movie, you know, this isn't something like John wick where it's a culmination and it's just, I don't want to say in your face the whole time. This is just a movie. That's just a nice, relaxing, fun movie watch, which this is the season for Like this is when you're starting to gear up for summer movies and all this other stuff. And, this is kind of that tone setter to get you ready for that type of film. Uh, and there's a lot of depth in this movie. Like I said, you, you randomly, uh, there's some scenes with, uh, some, uh, was it tabaxi in the background? Those are the cat people, the ones that look like cats. There's a, there's a very fun scene with the Aarakocra, which is a, uh, um, the bird people. And then there's, you know, some dragonborns in there, you know, which are, human dragon hybrid characters. So, you know, they're all done practically and it's very fun with it. And then you like, you'll see some in the background, some are more prevalent and, you know, they're just kind of there and it just kind of helps build a world that has a bunch of depth to it. That is also just still very approachable. Like they just kind of throw you into this world, but it's not like they throw you into the deep end. They very much let you get acclimated before they really start expanding a little bit more and, I think they did that in a very smart way. Uh, I'll give it an 80. This is a, an 80 stylized dragon ampersands out of a hundred. That's what it is, right? The ampersand will at and symbol thing, right? That's what it's called. Mm, the ampersand yeah. Yeah. Thing. Okay. Yeah. I actually didn't realize what it was called, but it sounds familiar now that you say it. Something like that. And in D&D, that's like all the whole dragon little thing. So, Yeah. I also really think the visuals in this were really awesome. Some of the shots they did were really cool. Yeah. We'll talk about it. We'll get there. I've got to see the cine score. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know. I just, I meant to say that in my, my quick overview and I forgot to. It's too late, Heather. It is too late. You can never talk about the visuals again. I know. Uh, Cinescore, official Cinescore for this movie, uh, 83. Cool. Uh, I approve. Yeah. Spoilers. Uh, You did kind of give away like two of the big, or one of the two big spoilers, which is just... Bradley Cooper is just in this movie. Just out of nowhere, Bradley <laughs> Cooper. Uh, it was delightful, but weird. Playing a halfling, mm-hmm. which uh, halflings in D&D are very much hobbits. Like, they're hobbits. They can't use the word hobbits, so they're halflings. They're just little people that are like half the size of other people. And so, so this is inspired by like Lord of the Rings type of no 
things? Oh, okay. It's like a fantasy creature. Okay. They wanted, said they yeah. couldn't use the word hobbit, so I thought that meant well, yeah, want to do something. Yeah. Well, it's just like they're trying to add more creatures and they're trying to add things. And I mean, ultimately, at some point, it's been used by something, you know. I see what you're saying. And okay. so they didn't necessarily, they, they wanted to use hobbits as a creature. Yeah. Not necessarily inspired okay. by Lord of the Rings. They just wanted to have hobbits in it. Right. Okay. They couldn't, so they have halflings. Uh, which that's kind of the weird, kind of like very on on point D and D joke, like with a uh, Helga. She's just, you know, big strong barbarian woman. Of course, she's going to be into halflings. Yeah, like that's kind of the joke in there. And uh, yeah, Bradley Cooper's just in it, and I think the other really big kind of twist thing was with the their uh Eric Cockle at the beginning. Or Eric was Eric Cockra? Yeah, Eric Cockra at the beginning of this. Uh because you know, the whole thing when they're like essentially at a parole hearing and they're like, oh we're waiting on this guy, they're waiting on this guy. It's all because he's in Eric Cockra. And they want to just grab him and run out the window and have him hopefully fly them a little bit so they don't die. Yeah. Very solid joke. Mm-hmm. Also very solid that he's like, but we were going to pardon you. Yeah. Like they were going to get funny. it anyway. And so I thought that that was really great. I'm glad they did not give yeah. that away in the trailer. They gave away some of the jokes in the trailer. I'm glad that was not one of them. Because that was a very, very solid joke. I think it really kind of like helped set the tone for what this was going to be. Yeah. You know, I, because like there are some D and D people on this planet, if you will, uh, very upset by the idea, some of the ideas in this trailer. Uh, really? So what's her name? The Druid turning into an owlbear. Mm -hmm. Uh, Druids. That's I believe that's the ability wild shape. They typically can't turn into anything as big or powerful or any of that stuff that what an owlbear is. They typically, that is not a thing. Um, and so like the fact that in the trailer, they're just like, Oh, she's turning into a fucking owlbear. A lot of people were mad about it. Um, but I thought I want to say the literal first rule of D and D. It might be the literal one, or it might just be figuratively like they're like, "Oh, the first rule." Ultimately, it's whatever the the dungeon master allows, or your your DM or your GM, whatever you want to call them or call mm-hmm. them. Uh, it's whatever they allow. If they if they want to allow your druid to turn into an owlbear, your druid can turn into an owlbear. Okay. You know, there's. Nobody's 100% a rules lawyer about everything. I shouldn't say nobody. I guarantee there are some rules lawyer, lawyers out there. They're like, no, yeah. with the amount of gear they were carrying, they should have only had a walking speed of this. Like there's, mm-hmm. there's, there's calculations and everything and ways to figure out like how far your character can jump, how t- like high they can jump, uh, how long it would take them to walk from point A to point B with this amount of, of gear and supplies. Like, those are all things you can calculate and do in D&D. 
some people don't because like that's a little too tedious. You know, um, there's some things like there's a spell that'll just like make a bunch of food for you, but then it also allows you to like, it also cleans the kitchen for you. That's actually written mm-hmm. into the spell because some, you know, some dungeon masters might be out there being like, nope, you can't go anywhere yet. You have to clean the kitchen. Roll a dice to see how well you clean. Like, and nobody wants to deal with that. Or I said, like, you know, like that's not the type of stuff you want in this. And like, they, they wanted to have like fun and they wanted to show crazy shit in this movie. And that's kind of how you do it, you know? And yeah, I mean, to me, it was kind of just like this movie is very, fairly par for the course for a lot of the movie. One of the things I was really kind of glad they showed was just like how stupid crazy, like the end of a boss battle can be. Like they did all that shit. Oh, yeah. And, you know, she's like doing that time spell and they had like a plan for it. And they're like, oh, no, he did counterspell it. Like he was prepped. He was ready. He practiced. You know, this kind of the whole leveling up, getting better at your spells or having a higher uh, level spell or any of that stuff. And then just the fact that they just went apeshit ballistic. And then there was the owlbear just like doing a whole Loki thing of just smashing (laughs) her nine billion times into the fucking ground, throwing her up against the wall in a building. They go like, okay, it's done. And they're just going again at it. Because like in D&D, one of the most common things to happen when you're like fighting a boss and it's like, uh, you know, you're fighting the boss, you're fighting the boss, you're fighting the boss. And then it's like, you know, cause you don't really know how many hit points the boss has left. You know, that's not something you traditionally know. Uh, you might ask your, you know, your dungeon master, how they're looking or use insight to, to glean how they look to maybe guess if they're close to being killed or whatever. Um, but typically, when you end up doing an attack that will ultimately kill the boss, uh, the DM typically says something like, okay, what do you do? More or less going, hey, you're now going to describe how you kill this boss or how you kill this thing. And that kind of like played out to me like something like that happening. Of like if a druid was an owlbear, and then the DM goes, hey, what do you do? Well, they're saying, you're going to kill him. Describe what you do. And so mm-hmm. you always go apeshit with it. You can go as like elaborate and crazy as you want. None of it really matters because you're just saying what you did to kill, you know? Okay. So even if in within the realm of the game, you just did one sword slash and that's what killed them. That was enough hit points. It's more or less like, hey, tell me how you killed them. So like, yeah, we're like, you know what? oh, I did a front flip over them and I stabbed them in the back and then I did another front flip and I was in front of them and I poked them in the eye with it. Like, you can go, you know, you can just go crazy with it because you're just describing the end of something. And that's how I kind of felt it was with that red mage. They were just like, or the red wizard. They were just like, oh, if you were an owlbear and like you were a teeth, like you were a person playing as a tiefling druid that could wild shape into an owlbear, what would you do? Right. Yeah. And that very much felt like it because it's fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. Just all kinds yeah, of slamming them into the ground over and over again, you know. Right. 
So, like, I, I really kind of appreciated that aspect of it. And then I really kind of liked one of the things of, it's a very common thing in D&D. And a lot of some of the campaigns I've watched people do or something like that, when there's always something to resurrect somebody or they're going to get that item to resurrect somebody, nine times out of ten, it's almost like you've got to end up using it on someone else. Because yeah, I figured that was going to happen too. I, and I, I just like the way they did it. Like, cause it, it very much, much makes sense for the movie that like that little girl never knew her mother. Yeah. Her mother for, you know, all intents and purposes was, was Michelle Rodriguez's character was Helga. Yeah. That was her mom. You know, that's the, the motherly figure she grew up with. That was the, the, that role in her life. Yeah. So while I loved that part. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, Chris Pine's character was all about trying to resurrect his wife and all that other stuff. Like he missed that. He didn't have to go on that, you know, that raid to begin with. He didn't have to go try to steal that amulet because that's never what his daughter wanted. Mm -hmm. You know, that's her life. As far as she was seeing it, she had two parents. And I also love that there is a part in the movie where he talks about that with her or when, when he thinks it's her anyway. And he's like, I wasn't trying to, you know, bring back your mom. I was trying to be, bring back my wife, basically. Like, I loved that honest moment of, like, him being vulnerable with that and, and true about that. Because it, it would be so easy to just be like, well, yeah, like, you need your mom. Of course I want to bring her back. But he's like, no, this is actually selfishly for me because I just miss her, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's, I, I really like the way they played that through, you know? Yeah, that was good. And, and you know, with this all too, like, you know, you, I, I was kind of sad to see our paladin was only there for a little bit. Uh, he was so great. I really enjoyed his character. Yeah. But I, I get why. It's the same reason why in so many X-Men movies, uh, Professor X gets incapacitated because like Professor X would be able to solve 90% of your problems. Right. It's like, oh, I'll just turn off their brains. Yeah. No more fight. Mm-hmm. You know, he solves more of your problems than not. So they always have to incapacitate him somehow, like to make it where he's not a part of the action. And that's why in this, if he was there, you know, would like detect good and evil and, all the things that a paladin can do. Yeah. He would have helped fuck up that red wizard or that tournament thing that they were in all those things. Like he would have fucked all of it up. Oh yeah. And so, yeah, they, they take him out of it to avoid, you know, to actually add some stakes. It's just, he was such a nice addition to the adventuring party. Yeah, he was. Yeah. It would have just been too easy though. Yeah. I mean, because they, yeah, he works when you're fighting a dragon, like, (laughs) which that was a fun dragon. I like the fact that they didn't go with the stereotypical dragon there. I thought that same thing. I was like, oh, this is like different, you know? And that, that is an actual dragon in D&D. Like, oh, is it? Yeah, that is an actual dragon. Like, nice. So is the dragon, uh. In one of the flashback scenes earlier, that black dragon that was shooting the 
the black ooze everywhere. That's oh, an okay. Drive. Yeah. You know. So I, I like the fact that they added that to it. You know, I like the fact that the the way they showed a difference between like a sorcerer and a wizard, you know, I, I liked how they added those elements into it because there is a difference between the two. And I liked that they kind of added that, you know, between Justice Smith's character and then the red wizard, like the way they did magic was different, you know, but then some of it was the same because magic is magic. You know, just how you approach magic is different. And, you know, I, I the one thing I do wish they added a little bit more from would be from Chris Pine's character. Like a bard can sometimes make or break like some campaigns. I mean, them just adding like bardic inspiration and some of the spells they can do and the way they can distract things and all of those and having some healing magic and all those types of things. Like a bard is a very utilitarian type of character when you wouldn't think so. I mean, they're, they're bards, but people can get insanely creative with a bard and really add to it. So I wish I had seen some of that stuff a little bit more. Like I would, I wish that like somebody would be a little bit like when justice Smith's character was kind of down on himself. I really wish that like him saying inspiring words to him would actually inspire him. They imply it a little bit, you know, when he's like, you know, at the end when he's like, yeah, I thought that would work. And he's like, you said it would kind of like they went along with it because they said it would work. Like that's kind of like a bardic inspiration type of thing. But I just think they, I really kind of wish they, maybe added like, I don't want to say like a supernatural element to it, but just like a slightly magical element to his ability to give inspiration. Yeah. Even if it is like, you know, false courage. Like I really wish he was like really able to pump people up and, you know, convince people of things. Like I really just kind of wish they added a little bit more of that into it, especially with him being a harper, you know, I, I just wish they kind of added a little bit more of that aspect to it. But, I mean, in the end, if you're just going, well, Chris uh, Chris Pine is just charismatic as fuck. So, we just kind of made it a Chris Pine character. I kind of get it. <laughs> yeah, it worked. You know, there was one of those, uh, you know, one of the, the trailers or commercials they did where they kind of add a bunch of quotes from movie reviewers to be like, it's really good. Watch it. You know, one of them was like, Chris mm-hmm. Pine is the most Chris Pine he's been in a long time. I'm like, that's fair. <laughs> I okay. think it's the most Chris Pine he's been in a movie since either this means war or one of the Star Trek movies, which that also could be why I do love the movie. This means war. He's very Chris Piney <laughs> in that movie, and I'm totally down for that. Yeah, I can see that. Well, yeah, it's kind of the same way with Star Trek. I mean, and I think that this is kind of, I don't want to equivocate two Chris Pine franchises with each other, but I like that this movie kind of did for D&D what uh, his, you know, Star Trek did for Star Trek, which is kind of just reintroduce it and be more accessible to a new crowd. 
I mean, mm-hmm. that was one of my favorite things about it. I've, I've been a Star Trek fan since I was a child and I still really enjoyed this Star Trek, but I really liked that. Like, uh, cause I saw that movie with Justin and our friend Devin, uh, former person on this podcast. And, you know, we went, and it was like really nice that like they enjoyed it, mm-hmm. you know, cause they weren't really Star Trek fans. They had really never watched anything with Star Trek. They didn't really care about any of that stuff. I really liked the fact that now they had an end with Star Trek just cause yeah, it was cool. like a, that re-accessibility that that added. And I kind of feel like this movie does that with D&D or the idea of D&D movies, at least. I would definitely agree with that. Yeah. You know, and so I really appreciated that about it. And, you know, I I thought it was really funny. So many people have brought up Michelle Rodriguez when it comes to this movie. Like, I've talked to some people and they're like, hey, how is that movie? And I was like, oh, it's really good. They're like, yeah, but how is Michelle Rodriguez? I'm like, oh, she was great. She was, she was great in this. And they're like, oh, because I, I don't like her. <laughs> I was just like, I don't get it. I don't know why. Like, I understand she's done, like, a lot of bad roles here and there or whatever. But, like, I mean, she's fine enough as Letty in the, you know, the the Fast and the, franchise, uh, Fast and the Furious franchise. So, I don't know. I was, I've never been as down, I guess, on Michelle Rodriguez as other people are. And... I, I I loved her in this movie. I thought she was fantastic. I thought she really kind of fit the barbarian type of character whilst also being a, a natural, a very natural foil to the, like the rambunctiousness that was Chris Pine. Yeah. And it, it's funny you say that because I actually was all, I am one of those people that was like, I'm not the biggest Michelle Rodriguez fan. Like, I mean, I've but seen her in a couple Lost. of other things. I did like Lost. Um, and, and she was fine in that. But I mean, I think, you know, like, I, I I imagine her from like the Resident Evil movie. And then I think about her from, uh, I mean, in the Fast and the Furious movies, like, I don't think she's the worst thing about him. But I just feel like her character is kind of one dimensional when she shouldn't be in that movie, um, especially in the last one for sure. But in either case, everyone was one dimensional in that last one though. And that's why I say, you know, that, like I say, especially that one, but also, yeah, like that's not really saying much. I, I, I don't like hate her. I just, she's not ever somebody that I'm like, I love her work. I think she's great. But all that to say, I am on that kind of train with her. And I thought she was amazing in this. This is probably my favorite role that she's been, to be honest. Like, I thought she was great. She actually was funny when she was supposed to be funny. She was, like, that serious, like, leader character when she was supposed to be that. Um, You know, she had those sentimental moments when she was supposed to. And, yeah, she was a really great counterpart to Chris Pine's character. Like, I totally agree with you. I think she did a really, really good job in this movie. Like, I loved the pairing of her and Chris, uh, Chris Pine in this a lot. So yeah, I, I really, I am on that train. No offense, Michelle Rodriguez, but <laughs> like, I, I kind of was on that train until this. And then I was like, okay, never mind. She was great. Yeah, she was. I mean, I, I really liked the cast. I thought they all had fantastic chemistry. Oh yeah. I've really enjoyed just seeing them doing all the promotional stuff for this too. 
because they're all fantastic yeah. together. I've really mm-hmm. enjoyed all that. And, you know, it's really funny because like the one of the, this movie has two writers, two, uh, the same two people directed it. Um, and it's really just kind of funny because like the main, one of the main guys really kind of promoting it as far as the director writing crew part of it goes is, uh, He's he's been in a lot of p- shit people have seen. I mean, did you ever watch Freaks and Geeks? No. Well, because he was the main character in that. Uh, okay. Did you ever watch uh, Bones? I have seen some of that, yes. Well, he played like the FBI psychologist in that. Uh, what was his name? Sweets. You played sweets in that. Okay. Uh, did you ever see Waiting? I did not. Okay. I don't know how to help you then. <laughs> um, but weirdly enough, they also wrote Spider-Man Homecoming. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. I mean, they've also wrote a bunch of things. I think they wrote both the Horrible Bosses movies. They wrote the Vacation movie. They wrote Game Night. Nice. That's a solid movie. Yeah. The same writer, director, people of that did this. Um, yeah. And it just kind of like they're at least him. What's his name? Uh, John Francis Daly. Uh, big D and D guy. He's, you know, so I think that that kind of helps having somebody that's actually like been a dungeon master before also helping yeah. craft this. Cause it's a lot of the same principles. He just had $150 million in professional actors to do it. Yeah, right. And he didn't have to roll any dice. So he could just tell the story he wants and doesn't have to have a shitty dice roll ruin the game. There you go. Um, what are some uh, more thoughts you had? I mean, I think... So, a couple of the aspects that were my favorite about this movie is... For one, just the teamwork and the dynamics of all the characters together, you know, working together to say, okay, I'm going to do this to help with this part of the plan. You're going to do this. I really loved how well they all worked together and you just see how important each of their characters is for the mission that they were on. I really liked that a lot. Um, I liked, I really did. I agree with you. I liked um, Justice Smith's character a lot. Like I just, and I always have liked Justice Smith and just the things I've seen him in. I just think he's, he has like a very natural way about him that um, like when he delivers lines and performances and stuff like that, he's just always very believable um, and relatable. And I really like him. So I think, um, yeah, that's definitely one of my favorite parts of this movie is just that team dynamic that you get from them. And another thing is, kind of, as I've mentioned, those sentimental moments. Like, I feel like they, they have a lot of heart behind this film and in the sense of you get a lot of, you know, who's really your family and you get a lot of, um, you know, believing in yourself and what is it to actually fail and what do we do when we fail and, you know, not giving up on yourself and things like that, that are just really, you know, important, like kind of deeper, profound messages that they 
worked into this movie really well. They don't, it doesn't feel like off-putting to put that in this film that is mostly pretty silly and just kind of action adventure But, um, you know, they just, they really incorporated those messages well into the individual characters and into this, the overall story in this movie. And it was just really, yeah, I just I appreciated how much they were able to just balance the emotional and the profound moments with those fun, more lighthearted or action drawn moments. So that was the other thing about this movie that I really enjoyed. Um, Yeah. The whole thing about um, Holga basically being um, Kira. Is it Kira? I think that was her name. I think her name's Kira, Kira um, being her mom, basically, you know, and just kind of seeing the montage of, you know, all the things that she's helped her with throughout her life. since She was a little girl. Uh, and I also, I'm not remembering that the little girl's name, but I love her too. It is Everything Kira. I've seen her in. It is Kira. Okay. Yeah, something like K-I-R-A. Yeah. Um, and, and the, the actress that plays her, everything I've seen her in, I just really enjoy her. And she was a little girl in marry me. She was a little girl in my spy. I think, um, she was in something else more recently, but yeah, I just, I just think she's really uh, a solid, you know, actress in, in her roles. So yeah, I just, uh, I'm, I'm surprised with how, or pleasantly surprised with how, how much I enjoyed all these characters too. And also, let's not forget Hugh Grant, because that man is a charming man every time you see him in any movie. <laughs> like, I just, he oozes charm and charisma, no matter what type of character he's playing. I mean, he is essentially the villain in this movie, but if there, he just has this way about him with his performances that you're just like, yep that's very Hugh Grant of you to just be this charming, manipulative villain. And I just, I, I loved how he played this very, um, I guess like double crossing two face. Yeah. A rogue. Okay. A manipulative guy. And yeah, I just, I, I really, (laughs) there's just, I've always, at least in more recent memory, thought that Hugh Grant was just a very charming, charismatic man in that. So he brought that to this role and he had those funny moments as well, but also those moments of like, Oh man, you're just completely evil. What are you doing? So yeah, I just, uh, and the fact that he was just kind of the, what was, what was he like King or uh, Lord of something? Lord of Neverwinter. Lord of Neverwinter. And like, he's like, I don't really even care about that. I just want this money. Like <laughs> just like everything that he did and all the, the part that he played this entire, what, two years or however much time passed that he was this character or that he was playing this part with people just to get what he eventually wanted in the end. It was just a really clever way to do that character. Um, Yeah. And I, I do think like, the is it the paladin you said yeah um Regé jean page yeah that, that guy he was a paladin he, yeah paladin 
uh, he was great too. Like he, he really should have been in it more, but I do get what you mean as, as far as like why he wasn't in more of the film. But every time he was on screen also, he just really was so captivating and just a really well done character too. My only thing is when they're, when they're in the dungeon and they're, he's fighting off all those guys that eventually just end up coming back. And he's like, you know, you can't, I mean, they're dead. So you can't actually just completely get rid of them. I was like, you just put a lot of effort into fighting them and lost your energy fighting them. And you knew they were coming back. I get that. It was also a really awesome way to show his skill and fight those. And I loved actually the action scenes in this. I think that the fighting was really cool. All of that was great, but I was just like, Oh no, like he, he, he invested all of that time into defeating them and he knew they were going to come back and that kind of sucks. But I just thought that was kind of funny that that happened. But see, the um, funny thing is, as a paladin, if anybody was to stop them from resurrecting, more often than not, it would be somebody like him. Paladins do have okay. like some abilities and spells and whatnots that work great against undead or demons okay. or any type of celestial type of creature. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I mean, but I, I enjoyed it because I, I liked watching the fight sequences that they did with it. Um, and then there was something else that... I was going to mention that I noticed was kind of like a flaw, um, but I can't remember now. But yeah, I do think Chris Pine was really um, the just kind of the the arc that you see him go through in this movie from beginning to end was really good, too. And like you really feel for him and his whole like, no, if this plan doesn't work, we got to have this plan. You always have to have a plan because if you don't have a plan, you fail and I, the, his whole thing that he did with that was so great to me when he's like, he said something along the lines at one point of you, you're not really failing until you stop failing or something like that. And I was like, I like that. I really like that. You know, where he's like, I'm still going to try. I know I fail a lot, but you got to keep trying. And I thought that was really a good way to do his whole bard thing and kind of rally the troops and kind of get their spirits up a little bit when he gave that speech. And it was just a very good moment in the movie as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think, uh, and then Sophia Lillis, the Druid, I think she was, she came in clutch in a lot of scenarios. Like, and she was also just very quick and very smart and like, okay, so if I can go in here and be this animal, I'm going to be able to do this and get this out. And she just, you know, like, let me be the one that goes in and pulls everybody out because I could do this just very quick on her feet. And I really liked her character a lot for that. So, um, man, they just, they had a lot of really interesting adventures and like just throughout the whole movie. Um, (laughs) I did really like the part when after they're with, um, the the paladin and he's like leaving and he's just walking in the straight line <laughs> I thought that was one of my favorite parts when they're like is he gonna is he gonna go around the rock is he just gonna go straight through it and like he just kind of walks over that little rock and just keeps going in a straight line back I just thought that was a really funny bit that they did yeah, no, yeah. They, they had great little moments like that just like little things here and there 
that just kind of added to the overall fun and humor to this uh, whole movie. Um, so outside of that, are there any questions you have that I may be able to answer as far as like maybe some of the more D and D aspects of it? Like that you might've been confused about or didn't understand completely or just would like a further explanation like with the wizards and sorcerers or any of the race stuff. Um, Or do you think the movie did a good enough job of explaining some of that? I think it did do a good enough job for the most part with that. My only thing too, though, is with the paladin also. um, I mean, what, what is tip? What is technically his main ability? Well, main ability. I don't, I don't know if there's any one thing you can define with that. Uh, paladins are more or less religious knights or knights of an oath. Um, okay. Most of them have an, an oath to a god or to a construct. Maybe it's an oath of uh, oath of revenge isn't always necessarily tied to a deity. Uh, but more often than not, it's like the idea of seeking justice or seeking redemption, or seeking revenge, or seeking protection, those types of things. Essentially, you know, it's 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 like a knight with like a supreme purpose to it, if you will. So in this, okay. his whole thing is more or less justice. Or like for, for a while, he plays himself off of a uh, paladin with an oath of redemption. Mm-hmm. Like he's just saving people. And helping people, right? You know, yeah. not necessarily and, being like, and that's the thing too is not even necessarily being violent. Like an oath mm-hmm. of redemption typically requires you not to be violent, you know. Yeah. Or if you are, or if you do anything violent or physical, it's in the means of protecting someone. You mm-hmm. know, it was like literally like the last, you know. Like a, a the last desperate thing you could do would be to take that type of physical action. Yeah, and like I guess because I I was wondering because mostly when he would go to people and like just kind of put his hand on whatever it was, not even have to say anything, and it just either calmed them down or he got them to do what they should do with just him like laying his hand on on them. So I didn't know what that was supposed to be. That could be a protection from good and evil type of thing. Okay. Or like a, I don't want to say like bardic inspiration, but maybe uh, like a calming aura. Like a lot of, a lot of paladins have auras to okay. them, you know? So it could have been like an aura of protection or an aura, you know, something like that to where just his in general presence, mm-hmm. you know, adds to your, like, your protection stats or anything like that, and they're kind of just playing it like that. Okay. Got it. Yeah, I just didn't know if it was like this, he's just a a deep empath, or if it was like he's telekinetically speaking to them while he has his hands on them or something. So I just was wondering what that specifically was with with his character. Which is funny, because that is something some people can do. Uh there's the ability to like, I want to say it's even called message in some instances where essentially you can like, if you have that ability, 
you know, anybody in your eyesight, as long as they're willing to, you can talk to them mentally. Um, okay. And things like that. And, you know, see, like, well, some of the stuff that I really appreciated, like, they kind of showed that Justice Smith's character was kind of limited in how many spells he could do or what he could do and stuff like that, because that's very accurate to a sorcerer. Sorcerers don't have that many spell slots. They can't actually do that many different types of spells. But okay. the spells they can do, they're typically stronger at those spells if they're the ones that they can do. Uh, okay. And so with him, you know, and plus, uh, so like little things with it. Sorcerers get their magic through their bloodline. So that's why it was a very big deal that his like great grandfather or his grandfather yeah. was also a powerful sorcerer. That means the magic's mm-hmm. in the bloodline. Um, whereas the Red Wizard, wizards get their magic through spell books and learning spells. They have the most spell slots. You know, they can just learn spells. Uh, there's not a warlock in this movie. Um, warlocks, though, typically get their powers from like. Uh, like an oath of fealty to a patron. So essentially like a warlock, the easiest example of a warlock is uh, somebody selling their soul to a devil for magic. They're getting that from a patron mm-hmm. uh, of magic. And that's how they get theirs. Not all like, that's just an example, like a type of thing that you could do to become a warlock. So would it be possible for a sorcerer to also learn Spells? Um, well, they can, like, how do you say this? Like, you get spells, like, you, you get those spells, but, like, they've got a very finite amount. Like, the, the, the amount okay. of spells they can learn is less. Because typically it's, like, what's inherent to their bloodline type of scenario. Okay, so they're learning spells, but they're only learning specific spells. Well, ish, yeah. It's like like the ones, and the ones they're going to be better at are the ones that are inherent to them, you Mm -hmm. know. Um, Whereas like wizards can have a huge variety. There's lots of different variety in wizards. Whereas sorcerers, there's not as much variety. It's just there's something typically in your bloodline that dictates it. And, um, you know, so the ones that your bloodline is strong with or the types of magic that your bloodline is strong with, those are the ones you learn because those are the ones you're going to be able to do. Uh, mm-hmm. They don't completely go into that in this, but like, that's like why he kind of has like that little wheel thing to like, those are more or less what he, spells he has. And he's got like a little variety because like, you know, they were more or less thiefing, you know, so he's got spells that are very inherent to that. Uh, I, re- I kind of wish they'd shown Michelle Rodriguez's character going into an actual rage, like specifically going into a rage. Because mm-hmm. that's a very bar- uh, barbarian-esque trait, is them going into rages. Um, Like I said, I wish they played more into the Druid character being, like playing into her being a tiefling. Because um, like tieflings are essentially, they're like, infernal born or half infernal born which is there's some sort of demon or devil in their bloodline or something like that so a tiefling is essentially like half devil half human or you can be multiple Mm, types of tiefling it doesn't have to be human i should say um but 
it kind of goes into more of like sometimes it's because your your family uh, in the past made a deal with a uh, an infernal being like a demon or a devil, and so therefore it'd be like yeah at some point in your bloodline there's going to be a tiefling, you know, okay. or it could be that uh, one of your parents uh, slept with one, and sure. you are literally part demon. You know, it's not the the okay. magic part of it. It's Literally, it's a part of your direct lineage. Um, so, and like, that's why, like, you can randomly, like, get curses. It could have been like her great, 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 great grandparents made an infernal deal. And then all of a sudden, she's born a tiefling, and that's why she's outcast. Okay. You know? And that's why is because either her mom slept with the devil. Or someone made a devil pact and she's more or less like they view it as a curse at that point. When it has nothing to do with them. They are not really a part of any of it. It's just that's what they're dealt at that point. Right. Oh, that actually you. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I'm just saying that like that's a very common thing with tieflings that they end up being outcasts. Something you said reminded me of the other um, thing I was going to talk about that. I thought was a little flawed. So in the the scene when they go to that uh, graveyard or whatever it is to dig up the bodies and talk to them and ask them the questions, it was it was a funny bit to, for the first one when they asked the five questions and then essentially the guy's just answering all the questions that are there because you know he's yeah they he whether they're directed at him or not it's a funny bit. My thing is with any of the other bodies though when they're asking questions to each other around it, they don't, they don't do that. And that was like, come on, that would have been, you know, cause that, cause the one guy was waiting. He's like, okay, you have three more questions or whatever it was. And it's like, but the other guy heard everything else that was being said, all the other questions. So I just thought it was funny that they just didn't do that with every one of them. Yeah. That's one of those weird inconsistencies that happen sometimes. Like, which wouldn't be a big deal, except that they they kind of made it a big deal with the first one because it was supposed to be like the funny bit of yes. them doing it wrong. And then it just didn't matter after that. I just thought that was like, I mean, it could have been better done, I think. One of the things I would chalk that up to is like kind of the inconsistencies that would happen in a D&D game. So if you had like a dungeon okay. master that was kind of being a dick or playing a joke on you. And, like, you ask another player at the board, like, hey, how many questions is that? And the DM answers gotcha. for you to fuck with you. To be like, oh, you just used one of yours. Okay. But then maybe if you're doing it again, they're like, okay, the story actually needs to progress. I can't keep being a dick. Okay. I'm going to ignore enough. it. it. It's that type. Of, I don't want to necessarily say inconsistency. But just narrative fluidity. Okay. That can yeah. exist in a D&D game. Um. Like a D, you know, like they might, you know, you might try to do something and they allow it one in one battle, but you try to do the same thing in another. And they're like, no, we're not doing that again. Like it was really cool last time. You're not doing it again. Okay. Fair enough. I just was like, oh no, they should have just done like, it was, it was a a humorous part. So I was like, oh no, they just didn't carry it on with the others. And and it, it, that actually could just legitimately be a plot hole. Yeah. But like to me, that's where that like that's how it played off to me. Was that type of inconsistency, or like I said, where 
yeah, your your dungeon master might play a joke on you or just be a dick for a little bit just to fuck with you. But then like at yeah. a certain point, you're like, I need to move the story forward at this point. I can't keep being <laughs> yeah. a dick or we're just going to sit around for four hours right. for them to find out the information they need. So I'm just going to stop. Yeah, fair enough. All right. You got any more thoughts about this here? D and D movie. Oh, really quick. Um, the visuals that I was talking about that I enjoyed. <laughs> I what like is it with you forgetting about the visuals? <laughs> I know. I know. Um, I just thought there was so, like, especially when they do like the still, the still motion shots in this, I thought they were really well done. Like even at the beginning when um, they're, they're breaking the glass to steal the jewelry that's inside. And you just kind of see a slow motion of the glass breaking against the jewels. And the part when um, the druid, I'm forgetting her name, when she's like, okay, I'm going to go in and pull you through and it's everybody's frozen or in slow motion and whatever. All of those shots were just really cool. I just really like how they did those and all of the shots when, when she's actually going through all the rooms and she's becoming all the different creatures to get in and out of places, just the cool um, aerial shots they do of that or just the following her as whatever creature she is shots. So I don't know. It was just really impressive. I I really liked those aspects of the film too. To be more specific, the characters were trapped in a gelatinous cube. Yes. That, that that is a a type of monster in D and D. Okay. So it's considered a monster. I guess that makes sense. It eats you. Yeah. Like, that's what it is. That's why it kind of burns a little bit. It's eating you. Because it's eating you. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Uh, and then, like, they have the treasure chest thing, the mimic. And yeah. And then, I can't remember what that panther thing's called. It's like a duplicator or something like that. Essentially, mm-hmm. the whole, like, making an, a duplicate of itself to distract you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, yeah, in that scene, cool. that little tournament scene, that other group uh, that's there. Uh, oh yeah, those costumes and those characters are based on the D and D cartoon from the eighties. Oh really? Yeah. You talking about the ones that are like trapped in that little thing? Part of it, yeah, in the cage okay. at the end and stuff. Yeah. But like essentially at the very beginning, whenever it's like and go, and they look over and there's that other group standing there and they start running. Oh yeah. okay, yeah. That's the D and D party from the eighties. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean the the little creatures and things that they run into is really it's cool it's an interesting little world they've built and um also shout out to whoever it was that played the red wizard she was really good she constantly reminds me of one of the what what is the rooney sisters or um um i think it's mara rooney is who you're thinking of yeah but it's the the one from the dragon tattoo yeah now, both the sisters, she just kind of looks like one of them. She's not, see that. but she looks like them. Yeah, what is her name? Her name is Daisy Head. I was about to say, it's something weird. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a white person name. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that, that was it. I just uh, thought I should mention that. 
Now, before we move on, I have to ask you. Mm-hmm. Is there anything about the visuals you want to talk about? <laughs> I'm I'm set on the visuals now. Are you done with the visuals? <laughs> I'm done with the visuals. I'll talk about the visuals now. So mm-hmm. I'm just kidding. You said it, it's fine. It's good. They were good. <laughs> good visuals. Yeah. On that note. Are you sure? I'm sure. I'm done. No more visual talk. No more visual talk. We're going to add that as a segment. Heather's visual segment. <laughs> uh, so on that note, thank you guys for oh, listening. Wait. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Killing me. Look at these <laughs> eyes. Look at these very tired and ragged eyes. You can't I'm do that. I'm kidding. To me. I'm kidding. You Proceed. are making our YouTube audience have to look at these raggedy ass eyes right now. You may proceed. On that note, I'm going to mute you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.cinemaslayers.com or uh, Cinema Slayers podcast on Facebook, Cinema underscore Slayers on Twitter and Instagram, Cinema Slayers pod on TikTok, at Cinema Slayers pod on YouTube. Uh, Shout out to Plug Migo and Mundo Cho for our theme song and logos respectively. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your family's friends, and tell your friends' family. And most of all, tell those dear sweet mothers because we're dear sweet mothers love. Every, um, basically every man in this movie, Hugh Grant, Ray J, Chris Pine, all of them. Justice Smith didn't get that much love though. I'm not saying he shouldn't. He should get Justice more love. Smith. He's he is a he's an attractive guy too. Yeah, Justice Smith as well. Uh, we here at the Cinema Slayers podcast are both pro slut and pro Sydney. I don't think I said that in the last episode. Uh oh, I know. I remembered it like an hour later. I was like, did I say that? <laughs> um, and just remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight is a Best Picture winner. Sure, you don't want to talk about the visuals again? Maybe my visual section should be like after this part so that it's always just the last thing, you know? Cinema Slayers. It's like the after after hours of Heather's visual talk. <laughs> like now I'm worried that I'll be like, all right, I'm out. And you're like, well, wait about the visuals real quick. One more thing about the visuals. And another thing. I'm not even a big like let's talk about the visuals a lot type of person, but I don't know. Just in this movie, I wanted to talk about. (laughs) You were like, and another thinking like I did whenever I went through the entire plot of Midsummer. (laughs) And another thing. Yeah. Um, Also, I forgot to mention this. I meant to say it earlier. Regis Jean Paget has recently been considered the um, most handsome man in the world according to some science thing they did in people magazine probably has something to do with golden ratio and all that shit it totally does yeah they do that all the time with celebrities and models and famous people they go golden ratio they're the most attractive don't get me wrong very attractive man yeah 
yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that he's unattractive. I just was like, oh, okay. I just, I was curious when I heard that, like what they were basing it off of, but it's fair. It's totally golden ratio then. It's facial symmetry yeah. and golden ratio. Yeah. Especially if they're like, oh, the scientific proof. It's exactly what they did. It's not even science. It's math. <laughs> I think Michael B. Jordan was like number two or three on that list too. That wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. All right. I'm about to say the ending. You sure you don't want to talk more. I'm good. All right. I'm out.